Report. I'm Steve, and this is Joe. Hey. Hey, yep. Here we are once again to talk about our team, St. Louis City SC. Go over their last two games and preview a couple of upcoming games. I'm feeling a lot better going into this one than uh, than the last time we talked. Isn't it a nice feeling? We'll start by going back in time a couple weeks to our first home game against the team from Kansas. And oh, what a night it was. Such an electric atmosphere especially considering the game had an 8.55 kickoff time and the stadium was pretty much packed since like 8 or so, maybe earlier. Uh, I saw online and heard from friends that the traveling Kansas fans were impressed with our stadium and atmosphere. And if you weren't able to attend or just need a nice refreshing reminder of what it was like, look it up. The team put out plenty of videos as did fans and we'll really take your breath away. It's always a fun rivalry game with the fans. Um... I got a chance to help paint two pole signs uh, one day that, you know, the supporters section had some great two poles making, poking fun at uh, at the Kansas team, some welcome to Missouri signs and some... Uh, I think I saw all, I don't know if I, or I, I saw most, I don't know if I saw all of them. There were, there were quite a few and there was uh, some very good stuff, so shout out to uh, the, the, the creative types who came up with all of the designs. All I did was help uh, color in, you know. A little bit of paint by number, but uh, there are people who put a whole lot of time into that, and that that makes it more fun. Hey, at least you contributed. I have yet to do that, so bravo to you for doing that, Joe. Uh, I know that they're, you know, planning at least one more really big TFO later in the year. So oh, people okay. who are interested in helping it with that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be looking for painting volunteers. But TFOs are for celebrating your team. The small two poles you can use to trash talk, and uh, so you know there was some great trash talk against the. Against Kansas. Right on. So in the game, City went with another bit of a different lineup with Nelson not available because of his red card at Chicago. Carnell moved Hebert to the left side and brought in Bartlett in the center. Malone made his first start since March 4th inaugural home match against Charlotte, and he was a real difference maker. Not only shoring up that central midfielder with Woven, it was all over the place. I mean, honestly, real box to box. It was crazy. I was commenting with Tim about that. He was, he was everywhere. It was great. But having Blome on the field frees up Leuven to do different things than what he's been doing the previous games. That Leuven is a better player when Blome is out there. It, it completely changes the look of the midfield. And having him out there allowed Vasilev to move up to an attacking midfielder, which... Seems to suit him a lot it better. It does. He, he's, he's not a natural defensive mid. That, that's not his strong point. He needs to be able to, to be in the mix on offense. I don't know how many times within the last week I've heard that. He was groomed to be an attacking midfielder. And, but, again, all of that comes back to because he can, because Blom you can trust Blom back there. Blom he doesn't get in all of the highlights because he's not the guy taking shots and things, but go back and watch those games. Anybody who hasn't re-watched them and just focus on him and he changes every play he's involved in. He is right where he needs to be every time, which lets the other people ahead of him do their jobs better. He's a great piece of the puzzle. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, he's... it. Lumen and Blom were the reason why the you know the, these last couple of games have looked better. That that central midfield is completely different. Absolutely. I, I kind of liked seeing Hebert at left back, though. I... I he, that's not his natural position, but he works out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we had uh, 
Stroud on the right, Celio on the left, and Joe Keeney up top. And noticeably absent once again was John Klaus, who has been absent from the roster since he picked up the quad injury against Colorado on April 22nd. Carnell has acknowledged that he's close to returning, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Before we get into what went down during the game, Joe, what were your thoughts on Hebert getting that start at left back? You just mentioned that um, I had a little bit impressive, but what do you well, what do you think about him getting that start over, say, Pedro, who I was expecting to be in? I, I probably most people would. I, I heard some chatter, people saying this is sort of Hebert trying out a role for him to stay in the starting eleven when Nilsson comes back. That if Nilsson gets healthy in the middle of the summer, like we've been all year he's going to be for what Nilsson's getting paid he has to be in your starting 11 you, you don't bring in a bigger signing like him to, to come in off the bench at center back it, center back should not be a place you're looking to sub during the game usually like uh, but it is nice having that depth it's we good to have about that uh, yes it's, it's good to have depth you want to be able to rotate but you shouldn't you should be putting out guys who are good for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. So if Nilsson gets healthy, you should be expecting him to take 90 minutes every game. Where does that leave Hebert? Because Parker and Nilsson should be your starting center backs. Hebert has obviously played well all year. So if he can show that he can be used out on the wing or in the rotation in the center back, uh, or possibly even go to a three at the back if Nilsson's out there, because I think a Nilsson, Parker, Hebert could work as a, th- a back three. I-, I don't know that I trust a Parker Bartlett Hebert back three. That worries me more as a setup. I- I'm not sure I like that. Yeah. But possibly a Hebert Nilsson Parker back three. I-, I-, I I'm not sold on that. But Hebert being able to play that that left back gives a lot more flexibility for Carnell as the summer goes on. Well, we'll come back to discuss more about our roster after we give some details about the Kansas game and then talk about Saturday's Vancouver game as well. But you asked about why him and not Pedro. I, I, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pedro, Pedro's good enough to be on this team, but when we've seen him come out there, he's he's shown some shakiness. I agree. Um, I, yeah, thought I was just about to say he's... When we played him with City 2 last year... You'd see him come on for City 2 late last season, and he clearly looked like an MLS player on a two-team. He looked like a guy who was ready to move up, but then you see him out there in an MLS game, and you say, like, I don't know, this guy doesn't seem ready for a lot of minutes yet, so I think he's turned into more of a bubble player than he looked like on paper. I, I don't know. So here's how the scoring went down. In the 18th minute, Stroud was taken down in the box, and Edu stepped up to take the PK, and And let's address right now, uh, I realize it's over a week ago, but a lot of complaints from the Kansas fans about it being <laughs> a soft penalty. That was a better penalty than the one Cincinnati had in that same night. Uh, and that one was that changed the game. Actually, it was a game-winning uh, goal. Yeah. It, it was a foul. It, it wasn't a bad foul, but it was a foul in yeah. the box. I was going to say that it's, it's one of those that you hate to have called against your team, but... When it's called in favor of your team, you're like, yep, oh yeah, that's definitely a penalty. If Kansas fans are not happy with it, don't do that in the box then. Don't right. put the ref in a position to make that call. Uh, that's what's going to, you know, you got to be you got to be more aware of where you are on the field than that. In the 25th minute, 
Bloom made a great slide tackle, steals the ball from the opposition. Beautiful play. Stroud picked up the ball, passed it to Vasilev, who took it in the box and put it just past Grandpa Zussi and the keeper to make it 2-0. Uh, keeper probably should have stopped that yeah. one. But I will, But that's why you put shots on goal, which has still been... Even these games that we're winning, we're struggling to put the number of shots on goal that a really good team should. That's why you put them on goal. Good things happen sometimes. And good keepers have good teams have good keepers. <laughs> well, yeah, they, 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 Kansas showed why they're second bottom. Yeah. Uh, so into the first half, it was two 0 Good guys. Uh, we'll start the second. Kansas made two changes to try to change things up. And in the fifty-fifth minute, off a punt from Berkey, Stroud. Once again, takes the ball from a defender, gives a quick pass to a charging Joaquini, who splits two defenders and chips it over the advancing keeper to make it 3-0. Probably one of his best goals of the season so far. It was fun, because you saw him get the ball, and you could see from the other end of the field, like, I think he's going to score here. You you like ones where you had that few seconds to really anticipate and actually watch and be like, nope, that that is going to end up in a goal. We don't get enough of those. No, we don't. In the 68th minute, Stroud took a knock, Struck luckily was already warming up, came in for him. And in the 75th, 75th minute, Ostrock ends up with the assist on Vasilov's second goal of the game. Two more changes in the 78th minute. Klein makes his MLS debut, coming in for Edu and Perez in for Blom. And in the 88th minute, Jackson came in for Joe Keeney to finish up the match. Final score 4 0. And it was great. It was. I uh, gotta love that scoreline, and honestly, it could have been five. They had a good chance oh, yeah. late. Um, it's that's exactly what you want. You a team that's that many places behind you in the standings. That should be your chance to get off of your losing and tying ways that they've been on for a month, and get back to the winning ways. And you play a bad team at home, you should dominate, and they did. But let's not downplay the whole Kansas team because you know they have been on a pretty good form compared to their first, what, six games of the season they've been coming on, and they did have, I think, uh, seven shots on target. Berkey made some good saves again, so they they could have easily scored one or two. I mean, they had just gotten a couple of wins. They looked like maybe they were a team that was starting to find its footing, like we just saw a couple of weeks ago. Chicago had been playing really badly. Chicago, the last few weeks, has played much better there. They're finally putting it all together, and they did it just in time to, for us to be on the losing end of two games with them. Right. You, Kansas looked like maybe they were on that track too. That were a team that was maybe starting to finally, uh, you know, get a little momentum, and and it was good that we were able to shut that down because they. I mean, this is a, a league with a lot of parity. You never oh, really absolutely. know who's going to win from week to week. Absolutely. This is not. Uh, you know, th- th- this is not the European leagues where you could pencil in wins and losses right. in advance. You never know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, exactly. You get some crazy results in some of these games, and you know we've seen, you know, LA drop points to lesser teams, and yeah. they're on, again on paper the best team in the league. So yeah. we should. We've just got to make sure we're taking care of our business and beating Kansas City at our place is one of those things that you've got to do if you actually want to be considered a good team. Absolutely. Uh, some quick stats about that game. 15 shots for City, six of them on target, six missed shots, three blocked shots, 17 shots for Kansas, seven on 
on target, six missed shots, four blocked shots, 18 fouls called on City, and nine four kills. What a blast that game was, though. And given how mad their fans were at the refs, that uh, <laughs> that, that statistic there about the number of fouls called yeah. uh, is very telling. I, I I don't think that one was nearly as, as badly refed as, uh, as their fans wanted to make it sound. Not that I will ever really defend MLS refing. Uh, right, yeah, it's still... This time it kind of favored us. Actually, both these games. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, so, what a way to kick off our rivalry against Kansas. We meet up with that team two more times a season, both times in September. September 2nd at Children's Mercy Park in Kansas, and then back home at City Park on September 30th. Let's, uh, let's hope that they're still struggling in both of those <laughs> games. That's a long time from now. Now let's talk about last night's match versus Vancouver. Vancouver came into the match sitting in 7th place in the Western Conference, but with zero wins on the road out of six matches. Needless to say, we helped them keep that winless road record. Vancouver is one of those, what I always refer to as pesky teams, a mid-table type team, like Minnesota, Houston, RSL, that you never know what to expect from them, and that was exactly my thought before this match. I would have never guessed a 3-1 scoreline, especially when we're still without Klaus and all. I did not expect a 3-1 scoreline and uh, continued my streak of, of incorrectly predicting the <laughs> score. Uh, for anyone who has not tried, the, the City app lets you predict the score of every week's game, and then people who predict it correctly are put in a drawing, I believe, for prizes. Yeah. Um, and I have gotten every single one wrong. Um, I, I thought we were going to score two last night. I Same. loved seeing three, but I'd, I'd rather be wrong on the, on the low end of predicting our scores. But... But I figured like you did. Vancouver are pesky enough that I wasn't going to get cocky and think yeah. we were going to put and up a bunch kind of goals on them. They're kind of finding their form, just like Chicago and Kansas. I predicted a 2-2 draw. Um, obviously, it didn't happen that way. And it, Oh, and speaking of that, uh, on our Facebook page every game, I put up what my prediction is. And just for fun, I'd like to see what your predictions are as well. Just kind of sometimes some fun banter comes from it. So if you can, uh, you're on our Facebook page. Weigh in on the socials. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, I need to start putting mine in. People will know what not to predict. I, I was saying 2-0. Oh, I, I did have us winning oh, last night. Okay. But, uh, I had a draw, like I said, but that's, I I, I don't know. I kind of saw them coming back. But well, I mean, you never know. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm a lot happier with the, uh, with the win. So I was thinking it would be a lot closer. And technically, on the pitch, I think it was, especially in that second half. Um, yeah, there, there were long stretches that were a little more even than the scoreline yeah. would, would let it look. They, yeah. they did keep pushing. Vancouver kept pushing. Um, I had to unfortunately leave the game before I could even get in. My son was sick, so I had to watch from home. My first home game I had to watch on TV. Everybody be sad for me for a second. Uh, um so yeah, City went with the same starting eleven as last game, which is the first time this season they've gone with the same lineup two games in a row. Berkey, Hebert, Parker, Bartlett, Narwinski, Walm, Edu, Stroud, Vasilev, Celio, and Joe King. Which, it, it worked again. I mean, we've got two wins yeah. in a row. I still... Joe Keeney, it seemed to be pushing up and further a little more in that Kansas City game. May, gave me some hope that 
you know, maybe he was starting to uh, find a little more comfort with that position with Klaus out. Um, and then I think he, I think he kind of took a half step backwards in the Vancouver game. I, I saw him. I, I really, if he's gonna play up top, he needs to go at teams a little bit more, and that's what led to that goal against Kansas City, and we saw less of that against Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still some times when he is looking to draw fouls, when he oh, should be looking to go at the goal. talk about that. <laughs> but it, I thought that he was on the right track more the week before. He's still he's playing better than he was the first couple of games Klaus was out, but he, he still seems very exposed as a player mm-hmm. without somebody else up top with him. I, it, it is... He is not a lone striker. That is not a good fit for him. Especially when it's a physical game like it was. Uh, yeah. I I think I think luck was on our side a bit this match, honestly. Vancouver's keeper didn't have uh, his best game. And like we said, the ref wasn't consistent, which but actually benefited, the- benefited us this time. Well, a, a little both. I saw some bad calls go both ways yeah. on that. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, especially some of the questions of what was a card and what wasn't. Um, some inconsistency yeah. for sure on that front. That We got a couple of cards on plays that I thought maybe shouldn't have been and, and not on the other end. Mm-hmm. So I think overall the refing evened out on the big calls. I... It, yeah, there was a little bit of luck, but those are going to even out over the course of the season, too. Right. I think with if it hadn't been for some bad luck, we'd maybe get that win at Chicago a yep. couple of weeks ago, and we didn't. Um, it's really only the difference of a couple of lucky bounces that you know we came out on the wrong end of that one. You know, the, This is the, the flip side. Just the way it goes. The, that bit of luck all started in the 10th minute. Edu with a free kick from about 30, 35 yards out, let it fly into the box. But we were just talking about this before we went on. I think the keeper was a little bit too far off his line, and the ball sailed over his head right into that corner. I see my take on that was <laughs> it, I would have said that maybe the first time I watched it in fast motion, but on replay, looking at just how much that ball dipped. I think the keeper did what he could. I think that it, he just put it in a perfect position. That is a textbook example of, of how to beat the keeper on a free kick. Because if you watch, the one of the replay angles was from right behind him, and you could see the ball looks like it's going wide by five yards. It looks like it's nowhere near on goal. And it just dips into that far top right corner and... And if you're a keeper, you've just got to be frustrated that you can't cover the whole goal. That's just the way the goal is built. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, all credit to Leuven on that one. I that was why he is there because he is the guy you can let take those. I'll, I'll say it's uh, skill with a touch of luck too. That's how I'll, leave it. I'll give you a touch <laughs> on that one. The, the the second goal may be a little more luck related. Yeah. Things got interesting in the 20th minute. Nerwinski picked up a yellow on a dangerous tackle. Nerwinski before the game, if anybody saw his uh, uh, pre-game interview, he said he was going to, you know, he, he was played with uh, Vancouver for, what, six seasons, something like that? Something so he, like that. He knew a bunch of the guys on the team. He knew how to play them. He said he was going to be a little rough, and uh, unfortunately it was a little bit too much. I'm still not sure it was a yellow. Well, 
I would say Parker's yellow two minutes later. That one to me was more questionable. Than, than the, the, there were. I, I, I it was definitely that, a foul, but I just don't think Parker's. the difference between a foul on the card seemed yeah. to be very a very blurry line for yeah. that ref. But you're right. Nerwinski's that early in a game. I think he should have just got a stern talking to. But that's what I would have done. And then in the 45th minute, Edu, this was another bit of luck here, Edu lofted one across for a charging Joachini, but Vancouver's defender, Blackman, headed it to the keeper, who was out of position and therefore resulted in an own goal. City up 2-0 at the half. Now, that one obviously is a lot of luck because it was a very bad own goal. Um, yes. Th- it, this didn't deflect off of him. He deliberately headed it back to a keeper who was not there. Um but the reason I'm not sure where the keeper was going. I, that's the thing. the The ball was he not? The ball went across the face of the goal, and the keeper went out to his. He was going to get to it, and therefore he was thinking he was going to get on the end of that cross and go get the ball. But he had two defenders thinking the same thing, so the yeah. three of them were all out on the on the left post at the exact same time. So when one of the defenders headed it back to the middle, there's no keeper to pick it up. It that's. Terrible play by them. There's a complete lack of communication between their keeper and their defenders. If he's going to come off his line, he has to get that ball. When that keeper comes off of his line, he has got to get the ball. You have to be not afraid to take out your own player to do that. If you come out to get the ball, you can't just let him head it back into space. That That's bad communication. That's bad keeper play. But City created it by putting pressure on their team in front of their goal. If you put balls into there to try to create things, you can force other teams into mistakes. Just like in those first couple of games, we got bad pass backs, and everybody was saying in the national media, like, oh, St. Louis is just winning off of luck. You create your own luck when you put pressure on the other teams deep in their end. If you sit back then the worst thing that happens is a, a quick turnover. You've got to force pressure at the other team. So second half, Vancouver looked stronger and more organized. Anyway, after Nowinski had made, had made what looked to be his second yellow, uh, Carnell shortly after subbed in Nelson for Nowinski and shifted the back line over to put Nelson at his more comfortable left-back position. City made two changes in the 72nd minute, bringing in Miggy for Celio and Ostrock for Stroud, who had received a yellow card in the 60th minute and will be out this Saturday against Houston. In the 83rd minute, Vancouver got one back when White headed one in on a cross from Grissel, making it 2-1. And then in the second minute of extra time, happiness happened. City made two more changes, bringing an extra defender, Bell for Nico and Jackson in for Vasilev. Dying moments of the match. Miggy with a rebound, one-touch goal. His first of the MLS regular season, and with the cherry on top, match finished 3-1. And the crowd went wild on that. Oh, yeah. Loved seeing the kid who, two days after he graduated high school, getting his first league goal. He'd had the one in the Open Cup game. Um, but it, that was beautiful to see, and the crowd all knew how big of a deal that was. That was a lot of fun. And, of course, it took the pressure off. I a one-goal lead in stoppage time is scary. I was sitting, watching the minutes tick on my uh, oh, yeah. on my stopwatch, you know, worried that they were going to get a late equalizer, and that takes all the pressure off. So it just makes it all fun from there. Post-game on-field interview, 
if you watch the, the replay, maybe when he scores, he takes a few step, steps left and then changes direction and goes right to celebrate. <laughs> they they kind of laughed on that when they asked him why he did that, and he pretty sweet. He said it was because he realized his family was over there on the right, so he wanted to celebrate in front of his family. Which is as a, great, a father, that's a great call, touch, and on uh, the whole team just dogpiled mm-hmm. on top of him. Cardinals yeah, reaction to it with the double fist celebration was yeah, he, he felt it too. It was great. The only thing I would say about that stoppage time, I would like to see Jackson come on a little earlier. I I, I appreciate the time wasting sub late when you're up one goal, but I would I'd like to see Jackson get yeah. a few more minutes than he's been getting. So I was I was. Uh, messaging with Tim during that time and that's what I said I said oh, I can't you know because Tim was saying oh man it looks like we need some fresh legs out there and I Jackson should be yeah, that he's I, he's I got Jackson sh- comes in so much speed coming off the bench I would like to see him come in earlier to actually here's be what more of a threat here's what I'm thinking I could be totally wrong on this but with uh, Stroud being out now for the next game maybe saving Jackson for that so he can go full 90, maybe? I don't know. I, I don't know that you need to save him for it, though. I mean, I, I would think he should be good to play a little yeah. bit longer also. Um, but hopefully we will be seeing a little bit more of him. You know, when he comes in, he... Yeah. Hey, again, I'm not saying he needs to get a start, but... I'm expecting him to start this next game. Maybe this well, next game with Stroud. Plus, Ostrock will make a... a well, and that could be too. Over. They have a few options yeah. there, um, and, but if they're going to use Jackson off of the bench as the well, we like his speed coming against running against tired defenders, then great, just bring him on a few minutes earlier so that he can actually get a chance to, to do that. I, I respect that his position too, as the guy who you want to try and you know really bury the other team. Here's some stats from the victory: City with 16 shots, seven on goal. Five missed, four blocked, and Vancouver with twelve shots, only two on goal, eight missed, and two blocked. It's still the the stats make it sound like we're shooting more than we are. We're still not putting enough quality shots on goal, even in a win. Like a three, scoring three is great, but when some of that is coming from a free kick and an own goal, uh, there were long stretches where City were not putting anything on goal. We're not making their keeper work in the run of play, and that's going to bite us if we keep doing it. And we saw it in the stretch where we weren't winning. They weren't putting shots on goal. Yeah, we got away with it a little bit last night, but I don't want to see us get back to not shooting. This team needs to be able to shoot more. I agree. 11 fouls on City, including four yellow cards. Vancouver with 12 fouls and three yellow cards. Carnell in the post-game interview said, quote, a little bit disappointed that we let 10 to 15 minutes of the second half get away from us where we lose our principles and our identity a little bit. So I can sense the frustration from the boys and understand the frustration a little bit because we let another clean sheet go away from us. Uh, fair comment from, from the coach. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. that Vancouver were, were pushing hard for that stretch. Okay, some interesting notes. Uh, Edu now has the most goals scored at City Park with five. City has only trailed 52 minutes of 720 minutes at City Park and has not lost a game after scoring first in all competitions. Those are good stats. Yeah. Those are stats that a winning team should be able to put up. Especially that, that 
homestead, kind of being able to keep something like that and make, you know, what Roots has always said, hell. Yeah, exactly. That's what you want. From it, it's a game where home field advantage should make a big difference, um, and so far it is. And you've got to keep that up. We were commenting about how uh, catching uh, I caught part of the LA Galaxy game uh, from last night and looking at what a an extremely small crowd that they had there uh, by the end of the game. Um, I think it was maybe not great to start with and they yeah. were bailing early because there's a lot of frustration with the fan base uh, against their front office and ownership um, oh, yeah. I, I don't want to see it like that here I, I love seeing a packed house of happy fans uh, because that's how you, you will mean, your team onto some stuff Galaxy has always had you know a run of great seasons and or even good seasons and they're not used to being a last place team so speaking of winning, after that win and the rest of the results in the Western Conference, City currently sits in second place in the Western Conference with 25 points. And games in hand. Yes. One point behind Seattle. Eight wins in 13 games. 29 goals for and 14 against. 15 goals difference. City's 29 goals is tied with Atlanta for the most in MLS. And yet uh, goal differential is uh, most in the league, right? I believe that uh, they've also given up more than we have, though. So, uh, yeah, St. Louis uh, leads the league in goal differential at a plus 15. Uh, you know, the next closest being LAFC at plus 13, and they've actually played one less game than us. Uh, so they're they're the ones we really have to worry about in the oh, standings yeah. as, as we have two games in hand over Seattle, but L.A. have another game in hand over us uh, who are only behind us on differential right now so yeah, i mean we've we've said it many times on this podcast even before the season even began this you know lafc and seattle are considered the two best teams in the western conference so anytime we can be among their uh stats on anything that's that's a, that's a good thing but again we're uh, we're keeping pace with them as the season goes on in a way that nobody was predicting before the season, that all of the pundits thinking that we would be struggling for points, and instead we're talking about who has more games in hand, us or LAFC, as you know, the two of us are trying to leapfrog Seattle. Like I love being in that conversation. In fact, someone tweeted out today, let me see if I have the stat. Uh, yeah. 538 put out an MLS playoff projection, and we have an 84% chance of making the postseason. And uh, and honestly, 538 tends to be extremely conservative on that because their rankings still weigh in your previous season more than they should. Um, and so St. Louis always gets dinged a little bit uh, on their rankings. So, I, I mean... We're looking at a team that has no business missing the postseason, and now we're talking about, you know, are we looking at home playoff games? Right. That's crazy. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> We've got to win games between yeah. now and then. Yes. So, But it's a good good position to be in, for sure, at this point. I, again, we're, we're far enough into the season that you can't just say it's a small sample size anymore. They, yeah. they, it's a legitimate team. Still, I'm not saying we're going to win it all. I no. will not predict that at any point. Um, 
but this is a, a team that could beat anybody. Yeah. Some player stats 13 games in. I'll just list a few in order. Chow Klaus still leads the team with five goals uh, to go along with his four assists. Edu now with four goals and five assists. Nico with four goals and one assist. Jared Stroud with three goals and four assists. Rasmus Alm with two goals and three assists. Be really nice getting him back in. Indiana Vassilov with two goals and two assists. And Kyle Hebert with two goals. That's, uh, I like seeing them spread it around like that. Yeah. That makes it harder to defend. So, Joe, what have you thought of our form later, lately? Uh, obviously, it's nice getting back to winning ways, but is this current squad doing it for City, or is there a bit of luck involved, like I said? I mean, if these were one-goal wins, you'd chalk more of it up to luck, but when you win by four and then you win by two, you can't just... That's not one lucky bounce mm-hmm. at that point. Uh so I, I think, you know, that goal differential is usually your most telling statistic in soccer. When you look at a team that is overplaying its position, you know, a team that's barely winning games, but by luck of the draw somehow ends up at the top of the table, uh, over time, goal differential will win out. And right now we have the best goal differential in the league. So that tells me that it's more quality than it is luck, that Luck will leave you further down the table than that uh, over time, but goal differential, will, you know, it, it tells you that there's actually stuff there. Yeah, I'm I'm still really happy with our defense. I mean, I think that does show in the stats, but you know, I, I I've seen a lot of people first harping on Nelson and then harping on Nerwinski, and yeah, they're not all stars, but I think they're doing a fine job. I am liking Hebert being a left back. Again, yeah. no offense to Nelson. Nelson just kind of, he's a little shaky at times. We'll just put it that way. I, I think you're right. You know, the, the guys who have been playing, I, I like your description, are not all-stars, but they've been doing fine. Yeah. I, I think Hebert is an upgrade if we can play him out there. And obviously it helps having a superb goalie <laughs> in Berkey to save us from giving up a lot of those goals, but... Well, that's he why he's getting paid what he is, yeah. is to be that, and uh, and that's working. But having Bloom out there in front of them takes some of the pressure off the defense. Uh, the better of a defensive center mid you have, the less likely you are to be facing that wave of guys coming at you with nothing slowing them down. I was really, I made the comment last night to my wife, I'm, I was super impressed with Bartlett, and then... Towards the end, though, he made a couple mistakes. Berkey was in, you know, yelling at him, "What are you doing?" He also had one real nice uh, tackle on somebody that where he came out uh, during the first half and 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 came way over yeah. and, and took one away. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, again, not an all star, but he's doing a great job, better than expected. And especially for a guy who, again, if if Joachim Nilsson is healthy, this should be your bench player. These are your depth players. Yeah. So if he's not perfect, well, he wasn't expected to be starting at this point in the season. Right. This is a guy, you didn't sign him to be your starting center back. You signed him to be as your third, fourth center back. He's absolutely good enough for that. So Joe Klaus is hopefully returning soon. What do you see City changing once he's back to starting? What changes could you see in that, in that lineup there? I, 
I'll be really curious to see what they do with Nico and Indy. Uh, does one of them slide to the bench? Mm. I think Indy could slide out to the wing. I think you could play him in off of the wing. I, I don't know that Nico can do that. Uh, I, I think Indy actually would be capable of doing that. Is that a natural enough position? Do you want to do that? Do you bench one of those guys and use them off of the bench later? Um, those are the two that have got to be wondering what's going to happen to their minutes. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good point. That, I, 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 and the answer is I don't know. You know, when Alma's healthy, if you've got Alma and Stroud, do they go back to being your wing starters? We've had Pompeo the last couple of games. I think Pompeo is very capable of coming in off the wing. I, I don't know that he's a difference maker coming in off of there. Does yeah. he drop back to the bench That's and be a guy you bring in off see the bench? I is still being a, a bench guy. He's not. I I think that's probably a better fit. Much. I mean, he's a, a young dude. This is his first year in MLS, and that's okay. He's he's good off of the bench. Yeah. I like him, and you put him in the rotation when the schedule Speed gets clogged up. When we do get two games in a week, that's a guy who can take some minutes. Mm-hmm. But I like Almond Stroud on the wings, and oh yeah, that's that's. The preferred to me, but then does that leave Indy and Nico fighting for minutes? Yeah, well, uh, you know, last podcast, um, I think we were both a little critical on Indy, but I think we were talking about him being more or less. He's they've played him differently than they have bef- the previous month. That's His right. last two games, yeah. yeah, he's been freed up to do a little more what is a role he's more suited for. And so maybe he's playing himself into some minutes there. Maybe he stays and Nico comes in off of the bench. Or you kind of platoon them. I would be okay with that. See who's in better form and And, handle that way. And let them know that. Let them know that you're going to rotate them. Again, we're going to get some weeks here where we're playing two games in a week. Yep. You know, guys are not going to be, you know, playing every one of those. We've got a couple of those weeks coming up on the schedule. Not as many as our opponents do, though. That's actually one of the things that's kind of nice. We're playing uh, Houston next week. They're coming off of a short week. LAFC, who are battling in the standings, hit a stretch where they play a ton of two games in a week. Mm-hmm. All through June and the first half of July. Including their CONCACAF champions. That's that's making their schedule even more backed up right now. So I would love to see them drop some points Yeah, as they get hopefully worn down I mean man they're just such a good squad but uh, what about the back line do you do we change that up or you think this is working with the, the Hebert I would Bartlett I'd Parker like, Nerwinski I'd like to see him keep running that out there for another yeah. couple of weeks it yeah. looks like it's working yeah I agree so next up for the boys is the Saturday versus Houston Dynamo once again at City Park Houston, another one of these, what I always call pesky teams, uh, comes to town, currently sitting in seventh spot in place of Vancouver. More welcome, Houston. With 17 points, nine points from first, 13 games played, five wins, three draws, and five losses. 13 goals scored with 12 goals allowed, two less than the city. I'll add an asterisk to those stats, though, as there's a slew of midweek games uh, on Wednesday night. City is not included in that, although uh, <laughs> I watched the wrap-up show like I, I usually do the next morning, and uh, Apple TV had us playing LAFC Wednesday night. I know that's not happening. Nope. 
Which is good though. It means that uh, yeah. while they're busy with Concacaf games, uh, it means Houston come to us on short rest while we're on full rest. Yep. And they're playing Vancouver, so it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Yeah, a lot of good games Wednesday night. City will, however, play a midweek game the following week, Wednesday, June seventh, picking up where we left off, zero zero in the fiftieth minute at Dallas. Followed by a rare Sunday afternoon match on June 11th back at City Park versus the LA Galaxy. We're real curious to see what that shortened Dallas game looks like and what that does to the yeah. the week. I don't know how much that throws off a team having to come in. It screws with your training schedule, but then you also know you're not playing 90 minutes. I, I that's and gotta I'm be. I have a to look this up. Has this ever happened? Uh, I mean, I'm sure, sure it's happened, but like, how often does it happen? It, it's got to be rare. Um, and it's got to throw the players off because yeah. they they get on such a routine yeah. that to have your routine that and screwed up. A game would be like, okay, there's only forty plus minutes, and that's it. The way that that <laughs> approaches your how you come out at the beginning of the game, and then it it also it affects your and roster because it has to be guys who are eligible the first game. And I should have looked this up too, but so the it has to be exactly how it went. The subs you've made. Are already subbed out. They're yeah, already they, yes. They're not available. It's Anybody just, who was not listed on the game day roster the first time is not on the game on day the roster at that time, if possible. I mean, what happens if there's an injury? Then does that, that count as one of your subs? And <laughs> I, I, I'm not showing up, but I'm sure you have to bring. But it would have to be subbed by a guy who was on the game day roster that day. Yeah, and it's there's a lot of just weird wrinkles into there. There is. That'll be interesting. You just got to come out firing on that one, though. Knowing you got yeah. a forty-minute game, you, yeah. there's no, you can't afford to go down a goal because there's no time to come back. Right. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be fun to watch. Although we'll be on vacation, we we'll <sighs> have to uh, pull that one up on the uh, on, yeah. on the laptop or something, and as uh, as Steve and I will be traveling. All right. So let's let's focus on a bit on this Houston match. The Dynamo has some talented players. 25-year-old French midfielder Amine Bassi, who Houston picked up before the season from FC Mets. He has scored five goals in 11 appearances so far this season. And, of course, Hector Herrera, the highly experienced Mexican midfielder who's in his second season with Houston after playing with Atletico Madrid since 2019. So far, he has three goals and four assists in 11 games. But that's about where their attack stops so far this season. Um, the Dynamo does have a DP in Paraguayan Ivan Franco and Sebastian Ferreira, but neither are really making an impact with the team at this point. After scoring 13 goals, this Ferreira guy, after scoring 13 goals last season, he has yet to score this season and, and has only played in nine of Houston's 13 games. I was trying to look up the reason for that, like is he injured or what. The only thing I saw was from uh, one of their earlier games against the Sounders, from a Sounders website, and they said that um, Ferreira, uh, Ben Olsen is now coaching Houston, and apparently um, he's on the outs with Ferreira, so I'm not sure what that's all about, if there's any truth to that, but that's what I heard. And um, new signee Franco has one goal and one assist in 12 appearances. So let's hope neither of them decide to catch on while they come to City Park. Yeah. That's what you gotta hope, but again, mid-table teams sometimes the those are the pesky ones that uh, you know that we just need to be really careful with. Yep. 
Still no word on Jao Klaus. Like I said, he's Carnell said he's week to week. Um, we'll just see how that goes. I still wouldn't expect him to start, but maybe come in as a sub if he is available. And uh, Alm is still having issues, so I wouldn't even expect him at all. I, I would love to see Klaus off at the bench, though. See him get a few minutes, get run out there. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if the game's tight and we really need that and he comes on and scores the winning goal or has a touch in it, that would just be amazing. Even just to, to see him on the field to, to know that he's making that level of progress. The longer he's out, it worries me a little bit more. They they made it sound like this is a very short-term thing when he yeah. went out to begin with, and the fact that it's turned into longer than that is, you know, they, it's worrisome. It doesn't sound like it's a big deal, but every week we don't see him. Quad injuries suck. When I was in high school, my uh, I played baseball through high school, and I had quad injury my senior year, uh, junior and senior year. It, it took a long time to heal. I mean, that was, like, there's not much you can do about that. And so I don't blame them for being overly cautious. We're still early in the season. We're still at a good place in the table. We don't want them to, to be getting desperate and rushing them back. Yeah. So we'll see about that. That'll be, uh, hopefully we'll get to see them back. And like I said, Stroud will be out because of yellow card accumulation. So... That'll affect our uh, our wing mid situation. Yeah, so that's the other thing to look forward. Uh, yeah, look forward to. All right. Well, hopefully we can keep this uh, win streak intact. Um, got some great games coming up. Again, that LA Galaxy game is going to be with with their form lately. It'll be uh, interesting to see. Hopefully, they they won't be like Chicago or decide on. That week to uh, turn things around and get yeah. things in order because you know it's not going to last with the, the talent that they have out there. Yeah, you, you got to find teams at the right time. You got to uh, that part of the luck. I, I would hope we get a little bit lucky with. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see what happens, um, Joe. I think that's about it. I think that's. Uh, I think we've said it all. Yeah. Uh, let's. It, Again, we went from a, a rough patch there yeah. and getting very frustrated with the team to a couple of very fun games to watch. Let's hope that they can stay in this pattern here. I'm, I'm uh, sure another rough patch will come at some point. Um, but uh, hopefully it's not as I, I, as rough. <laughs> right. This is You're not going to win them all. Yeah. Uh, no team in the league is going to. But if we can minimize those um, as an expansion team... This is, they were running out the stat this morning that this is the fastest any team, any expansion team has gotten to 25 points. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. Thanks, Joe. New, new record on that. So, I mean, every little record that we can check off just to show that we all should be thrilled to be watching an expansion team playing this well. That's what we got to keep reminding ourselves. Even when we hit the rough patches. Expansion team. Yeah. Cincinnati fans would have killed to have had this experience their first year. Hey, Joe, thanks once again. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll try to have a guest on next time. Um, it's been a while since we've had somebody, yep. and y'all are probably getting tired of hearing our voices. Liven it up with the third voice. Yeah, we'll get somebody good on soon. If you have any recommendations or on who to have or comments or questions or anything, remember to... Uh, message us dm or through any of the socials um 
you know, every time I get an email at the city, cityreport at gmail.com, I get a little excited until I open it up and it's some uh, Nigerian prince wanting to buy our website or so Russian or... And anybody who is listening should email Steve just so he'll... He'll feel a little better, like actual live people actually do. Uh, I mean, I, I see the numbers of the people that listen, and they're nice and impressive, but are they bots, or are you, is anybody out there? Throw your opinions out there. We'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll address them next time. All right. Well, that'll do it. Thanks, everybody. Follow us and listen to us and do all the good things. And uh, let's go city. Let's do this. Go city. All right. Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye.